0: This is Commerce Shannigan's episode 568, a conversation with J.K. Woodward. Welcome to the Commerce Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 568. It's another conversation with J.K. Woodward. Uh, J.K. was previously on the show uh, in episode, I believe, 498. Uh, we're talking about, uh, among many other things, uh, we've talked pre- predominantly among, about his uh, more recent Star Trek work. And at the time, we were talking about um, Mirror Broken, which was the current uh, Star Trek Next Generation miniseries he was doing with the Tipton Brothers. Uh, so we talked, I think, at the time of that release, uh, only the first two issues and the Free Comic Book Day issue had come out. Uh, but now the entire series is ended. There's about to be a new series set in that universe, so uh, we had the chance to sit down with J.K. and uh, kind of go a little bit deeper through the rest of that miniseries and also looking at what comes next uh, for that uh, universe and the backup story or the, uh, you know, he's, he has a story running through uh, the next, what, four or five issues of this uh, this upcoming miniseries, which is kind of a thorough line and, uh, running in the background, so uh, we talk about that as well, so uh, this is a, a lot of fun. It's always great to have a J.K. on and- the show and uh i look forward to having him back on at some point in the future uh you can always email us at comic at gmail.com like the show on facebook rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes also listen to us on stitcher upcoming episodes in the next two months we're going to have norm Breyfogle uh on the show who has had a legendary run uh, illustrating batman uh, we're going to have uh, legendary colorist uh, chris settermeyer on the show at some point uh, again in the next little while we're going to have jim kruger on the show Uh, That's probably not going to come out until June, so some good new interviews, plus uh, a lot of movie review episodes coming out as, uh, obviously, uh, Avengers Infinity War comes out as I speak in about 10 days. Uh, And then um, later in May, we have episodes focusing on, I guess, Solo and Deadpool. I just think that that is still the plan. Um, So anyways, without further ado, without more prattling from me, let's jump right into the conversation with J.K. Woodward. J.K., welcome back to the Commerce Shenanigans podcast. How are you today? Great, thanks for having me back. Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, we definitely, at the, at the end of our last conversation, we'd said, you know, once um, uh, Mirror Broken was over, we at some point needed to have you back. So this was kind of like a, I got to get to it. I got to have you back to talk about the rest of that series. Right. <laughs> yeah. I almost remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, at least, at least you, you remember working on the book, though, right?
1: What book? Who is this? You know, of course, of course. And I remember our conversation. I was just I was just busting a little <laughs>
0: Well, so I guess uh, for those who haven't listened to your last episode that you were on, uh, that was episode 498, people should go back and listen to it, because we're going to kind of pick up from there, because at the time, we only had the first two issues of the series had come out. We talked about some of the upcoming covers at the time, and kind of looking through uh, some of the different character models and choices you had done up until that point. So I'm interested to kind of see what your your process was like as that series progressed. Right. So... Uh, I was actually reminded of that when I was looking at our Skype feed, because it looks
1: like I sent you a bunch of uh, JPEGs of my Wesley designs, so I know we talked about that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, so, I mean, I I, I guess um, in terms of a higher level view, so when the series ended, uh, did you guys already know that there was going to be kind of follow-ups that were going to happen for sure uh, in this kind of universe, or what was that impression like when you guys kind of wrapped the initial series?
1: Well, I think we, I think we knew right after um, Free Comic Book Day, um, just because of the response. And usually, if there's a response like that, um, you, you know, you squeeze everything out of it until there's nothing left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think we knew for sure um, around issue three or four, um, because that's when um, the tips had started working on other scripts. I believe I might be mistaken there, um, and I came on board. Um, Around that time, just to uh, just to design cover so we could have it ready for um, for previews. I didn't know the details, um, and that came from Sarah about a week after I heard about the, that we were continuing with it. And uh, the details being um, that it's going to be weekly, uh, and that we're going to have various artists on it, so it can come out every week. Um, in, for five weeks in a row, and that uh, I was going to have an ongoing story throughout the whole thing, so that I could I could kind of be the the work on the story of the thread that kind of ties it all together, and um, and I, I got to um like a lot of times I got to work with them in the um in the plotting phase, which is uh, which is fun. It's a, it's the way it kind of always used to be uh, when I grew up reading comics. Um, so it's always fun to kind of be there at the ground up mm-hmm. uh, as. Yeah, as I was with the uh, with Mira because uh, the characters were
0: already created ahead of time. So it's uh, it's writing's a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I shouldn't say writing. I should say the fun part of writing is really fun. The the, the tedious part that uh, the tipped, <laughs> the tipped- <laughs> have to do after they have to make all the all the all the weird ideas we came up with in our meetings actually work. I'm sure that's not as fun, but the, the imagination part is, is just a good time.
0: Is it weird to, I mean, so this is kind of jumping forward, but having, you know, designed these characters and really kind of brought them to life, is it weird to then not be illustrating their next kind of adventure? Or at least not the next main adventure, I should say? I mean, obviously you're doing the the connecting backups, but you're not kind of doing the the main event, so to speak. Right. Um, I think it's actually more interesting to be working on the
1: connective tissue, to be honest, but as far as um, other artists working um, on these creations that's actually a lot more fun it's actually more interesting to see what um what other people do with with my designs how they interpret it um and and see how they see it um i was uh getting pages back from the tiptons and, and just getting really excited about some stuff i remember the first time this happened i invented a, a, a species for the uh, star trek doctor who crossover mm-hmm. um and they were called the die eye and I, I invented their planet which was mostly ocean and and uh and, and just invented this um, Federation outpost, which was a structure in the middle of the ocean, sort of an island. And I got to see another artist work on that. And that was incredible, too. It's, it's, it's actually more fun to see what other people do with your creations. It feels more real. You know, it feels like you, it takes it out of you, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and you get to see what it looks like to other people, which is a lot more fun.
0: When designing the the, uh, the mirror covers, what was that process kind of like to be able to have a big project like that or a big canvas that they're all going to connect um,
1: that was great. I mean, originally we, we uh, I, I came up with um, these sketch ideas based on the, um, the the meetings I had with the Tiptons, and uh, we were just going you know regular covers, coming up with ideas. This this issue is about this, so this has to be on the cover. Let's you know let's design this and ch- try a few sketches. Um, and then I don't know what exactly happened. It just seemed to get so convoluted, and then we just said, okay, we need a new approach. And I, I started over, and I said, well, what if we do something? You know, with it, it all fits together. Um because I really like those uh, Jim Lee X Men when those fit together. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and we really wanted to simplify the idea and I was like, Well, this is the first time the TNG Mirror Universe meets um actually I think that was Scott that came up with that. since it's, it's, it's the first time the mirror universe um meets the uh the actual TNG gang, why don't we just have them facing off? I mean it's a simple idea, maybe even a big cliche, but it's it, it works. Um and then just decided, well, let's just do a column let's do a column of them all facing each other and then we could show, um, uh, the connective tissue story in between and, and, um, uh, in between the, you know, in between the faces and, mm-hmm. uh, th- th- you know, that th- that immediately clicked with all of us and we all decided, you know, we, we struggled with the, with the process. And then when that clicked, we knew we had something. Um, and then, and then the next obstacle was where am I going to find the room to work on this? Because I had to, uh, <laughs> I work, I work on 18 by 24. Um, uh, and uh, I had to do five, so that's that's ten feet uh, that's a that's ten foot column <laughs> I had to paint basically, um, and it and it had to be all together when I painted, because you can tell you know what I mean you, you can't just kind of fake it so I yeah I had to put I some plywood and made an extension for my drawing desk and just did the whole thing oh, wow. I actually have some uh, I'll give you a link to if you want to show it I have something on my blog that shows the process and it's it's pretty hilarious how I kind of rigged everything. <laughs>
0: Which of the which of the face-offs was kind of like when you were doing the face-offs? I guess do you, would you start with the mirror universe kind of face first, or would you go with the kind of the prime universe, or what was your kind of breakdown in terms of you know which figures came first, and and was that e- was that easier or not? Like to, with deciding on which face it was, I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but I'm just trying to get a sense of you know what kind of came first when you're putting it all together. I think um, I think the
1: the way we it, it kind of we just followed the uh, followed the story that had already been developed. Uh, and I I think we agree that the first issue was very uh very much um more Picard oriented, so he gets that. Uh second issue very much more data. Uh he gets that certainly in the connective tissue story. Um uh and we just you know, we figured out what to, which characters seemed to have a bigger role in each uh in each issue and made them um the focus of the covers. Um and then a matter of um I think I actually if I remember right, and I don't have it in front of me right now, I think I actually had the um, mirror universe on the left side um, facing. So uh, almost like – and I always picture the left side as the home team, you know.
0: <laughs> so it's
1: it's it's really kind of strange that I, I put uh, – the I think I did put the mirror universe first, and uh, I might be wrong on this. But um, um, the hardest thing to do was figuring out, you know, like – well, it really wasn't that hard to do, but it's kind of an awkward thing to do. Is I had to have Barkley face off uh, against Worf mm-hmm. because in the Mirror Universe, Barkley has his station because, of course, Worf is in part of the Alliance, not part of the, um, the Terran Empire. Uh, he, obviously, he couldn't be. He's a Klingon. Um, so I had to have Barkley facing off against Worf and trying to make that look like um, not hilarious. <laughs> <you
0: know? laughs> well, I want to ask, like, how did you, like? even looking at Barkley's face, he almost looks bemused.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the way I kind of look at this, Barkley. I, I see him as as um, he's he's still socially awkward, but more in a sociopathic, dangerous kind of way. And I, I think the the smirk is the scary. You know, it is much more scarier than him trying to scowl at Worf. Um, you know, Worf is obviously much more imposing. Um, so the way to make Barkley look dangerous is to is to go with subtlety.
0: Now, what uh, actually uh, this kind of struck me in looking at issue, I guess, four's cover is: uh, d- Does Jordy have an actual visor now, not just the little eye things? The mirror universe no, Jordy? It, it, no, he still has the,
1: he still has the eye things. It's just that you're know, we're, we're looking at it from the side.
0: Okay, yeah, um,
1: yeah, and and they do go back just like his visor. They do go back to the to where he has the kind of implants. Um, but when you look at him from the front, they look almost just like little goggles that kind of stick to his face. But they uh, they do have sides on them. I guess so that's I, probably
0: what? Yeah, no, I, I guess I hadn't really noticed it in, in profile, but yeah, because I guess most of the shots of him were straight on, so I guess I didn't really get a sense of just how far back they went, because when I first saw that shot, I'm like, oh, it looks like an actual visor now, but okay. So he doesn't actually yeah. have a visor.
1: Yeah, they actually they form fit around his head just like his visor. It just breaks in the middle um, and you know, just kind of connects to his eye sockets. And uh, the only reason I did that is I wanted to take some of the visor away from his face so we could see some more expression in, in um, LeVar Burton. Uh, and only because um, he had brought that up in, in an interview I'd read, uh, I don't know how many years ago, that he felt like the visor was a kind of hindrance to um, to a lot of the acting he would do with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was nothing I could do about that. I try I, I actually, when I was creating the look of the character, I argued that he would have either bionic eyes that look a little more real, um, or cloned eyes. I mean, they would have done medical experiments that would have been uh, morally reprehensible. Uh, reprehensible in the the prime universe, they would have done that in the mirror universe, and he would have had good eyes. And I just was trying to make up any excuse to give him eyes because that's what Levar wanted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and they they said the uh, visor was too iconic; we have to go with the visor. Um, but I could redesign it, so I redesigned it just to be a little less, and also to make it a little more creepy. I think I think the little the green slits are a little more creepy, um, kind of mole man looking.
0: So. <laughs> When when putting the cover together, I mean when you have again the prime universe right next to the uh, mirror universe, did you find um did you find yourself kind of any compulsion to kind of pull um Put a little bit more into making the mirror universe look a little tougher than even they would have in their original appearances because you have the immediate contrast right next to it of the prime universe. Or did you find yourself lightening the features even more of the prime universe to show more of that distinction? Or how did you kind of, now that you have them right side by side, did you find yourself moving in any specific direction? oh yeah absolutely um i
1: don't know if i um I, I think i painted the prime universe um exactly as i see the characters i didn't consciously think well let's make them look lighter let's make them look friendly or let's make them look wiser or or anything like that um i know these characters i've been painting them for a while so i just painted them as i normally paint them the mirror characters i uh made a conscious decision of because they're right up against their counterparts what's going to make them look different especially like you have somebody like Geordie that has the visor. You have, um, obviously, uh, Barclay and Wharf don't look like. You don't have to worry about it there. But when you have Beverly um, and Wesley facing off against their counterparts who don't have any other, other than uniforms distinguishing features, no scars, no, uh, no different beards or anything like that. Um, so I try very hard to uh, give, uh, for example, Wesley uh, a little meaner look to his eye. Uh, nothing too drastic, keep it subtle, but also gave him a little spit curl so he looked a little more Teddy Boy, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> a bad kid from the 50s or something. You know. <laughs>
0: I found that actually your Beverly did feel very strikingly different. Like, I guess it's just maybe you did a, um, almost like a darker sense of the hair color because the, the Prime Universe seems a lot lighter, kind of, I guess, what she would have looked like sure. the, kind of near the end of, of that series when they really lightened up her hair color. Whereas when you have, you know, the, the much darker hair version of Beverly staring right across from her, it actually is quite striking. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, um, and uh, that was originally um, – when I created the character, a couple of things came to mind. Uh, first, and I stole this from Phoenix versus dark Phoenix from the old burn X-Men. Um, I just darkened the hair, you know, you take the, the light red hair and the dark red hair and it makes a huge, uh, huge difference in the character. Um, also kind of hardened the features. I, you know, she squints a little more, she has a little bit more furrow brow. She looks a little more intense, but the other thing is, uh, Beverly has, uh, always has soft features. She always has a very, a very feminine look to her, the, the makeup, the, um, the hair um and i i kind of did away with that i gave her sort of not just darker hair but kind of greasier and just kind of slicked back she's not um she's not working on herself cosmetically as much as just going a more pragmatic approach you know and so she has the shorter hair just kind of kind of slicked back just to get it out of her way almost like um she does the impression i wanted to give is she's not as concerned about her appearance she's got work to do (laughs) um
0: (laughs) Well, actually, I'm curious about, um, with, with your Wesley here too, in the previous series, I guess before he ended up being conscripted onto the bridge, he definitely had that, you know, that kind of the spiky kind of cool look. And now you've kind of done away with that was, you know, was there any particular reason why or just you wanted to, you know, just that, that wouldn't work once he was actually part of the Terran Empire proper as actually working on the ship or what was? It, ex- yeah, ex- exactly.
1: Uh, it was the line of the script saying, uh, and get him a uniform, uh, you know, um, the second thing that happened, I, I was like, yeah, it would look weird if he kept his hair that way. Uh, even in the Terran Empire, it <laughs> might look strange. So <laughs> we figured since we were going to give him a makeover, we are going to give him his uh, uniform, we are going to get rid of that outfit and everything, um, we might as well kind of clean him up a little bit as far as his hair goes. Uh, but I still gave his hair slightly more, um, like I said, kind of a spit curl, kind of a little bit more body to it, Let's just slicked back, um, uh, just because it kind of makes him look a little more more stylized, a little different.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier, again, about, you know, some of them have very easy distinguishing characteristics, and it's a lot easier to kind of show that divide between the mirror universe and the prime universe. Obviously, Troy doesn't really have that. So what was your kind of, your, your inspiration there to try and make her look a little bit more distinct when you don't have one of those easy cheats?
1: Uh, again, I, I, it, most of the work you do is around the eyes, and I tried to harden it a little bit. And also, uh, the makeup's a little smokier, a little more seductive. Um, and I think you look at them and you see two different Troys, I hope. Um, uh, but basically that was it, you know, th- with, with this Troy, I always try to go a little more seductive, at least, uh, appearance wise.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, it was, I thought was interesting in, in the first uh, series that we didn't really get to see a lot of what I kind of expected them to go with, with Troy, making her a little bit more seductive where, you know, they kind of used her a little bit more straight and I thought there almost would have been more subterfuge involved with using her.
1: Right well there was, there was that one great scene where she had to kind of uh work out who to trust and who not to trust and she was uh, there was just it was a page of like her doing interviews that I thought was uh pretty cool but um another thing I thought when I when I created the character that uh, you know the thing is there's just not enough room um and we might eventually get to everything you know we had ideas for but we had probably only got to use 10% of the ideas that uh, that we all came up with um but I mean, one thing I would love to see with this character is her to use her empathic powers offensively, you know, like mm-hmm. to project fear into somebody or project something into somebody to distract them, um, which we didn't get a chance to do. But I mean, you know, we're introducing a whole cast of characters and trying to give them something to do in five issues. So there's only so much we can do. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to spoil that we will be able to get to. And I think if um, there's another series coming up, of course, after this. Um, five week thing so we might get even to more at that point mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully there'll be even more after that as long as um, as long as it's doing well and people want tng mirror universe then we're going to keep doing it because i enjoy it i know the tiffins are enjoying it
0: well, it definitely feels like an itch that never got scratched, right? I mean, as as you mentioned yeah. in our last conversation, we had a bunch of episodes in TNG that were almost like mirror-ish, but they still weren't mirror, and uh, it's just this weird, like, for everyone who loves TNG, but somehow they never tapped into this thing that people also love. So you guys have, you know, been able to finally bring those those two great tastes together. And what's great
1: about it is we're doing it in a comic book, so we can do a lot more than they could have done on uh, television or even movies. Uh, because there's no budgetary concerns, <laughs> and uh you know there's there's a lot more room to try some things in comics that uh you might not take chances on um with the production costs of television or movies so um yeah hopefully hopefully we're doing this for years, you know like let's let's wear this out, let's try everything you know. <laughs>
0: Well, now with with the um, the story that you're, I mean, is it is it fair to say it's a backup? Basically, then the story that's running through or is it just a secondary story? I mean, there's somewhat of a distinction between the two, but uh,
1: uh, the story that I'm doing in the five week uh, through the mirror, yeah, okay, um, yeah, it's a story called uh, Right for Plunder, and it's a twenty page story that runs throughout the five issues, and it's sort of um, it sort of explains what it sort of defines why the stories that happened in the other, the rest of the uh, miniseries happened, how it happened. It's almost a prequel. Okay. Um, like I said, it's a connective tissue, and it, and it will also, as a side effect, answer some questions people had about uh, the Mirror Universe, what happened between TOS and TNG okay. with certain characters that were set up Yeah.
0: Now, what is it like adapting or getting used to, you know, doing it in installments like that? Like I, I would imagine, the pacing has to be a little bit different because, again, you're you're doing chapters broken up this way. So, how has that adjustment been?
1: Uh, easy for me. That was a, that was more of a writer problem. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: uh, and though we though we talked about the the plot, uh, it was like I said, it's the Tiptons that um, that have to actually write the thing. that do the heavy lifting on it. Um, That, that's something, um, I think they did a good job. They did, they did a story that worked. Well, again, you got to remember, it's only going to be a week apart. So it's, it's not like you're waiting a month, uh, you're reading four pages, waiting a month. So it's less of that. I mean, my, my initial concern was it was going to be like, uh, you know, the, the daily Spider-Man comics where the first and second, uh, the first and last panel are just recaps, (laughs) you know, to catch up. Um, but it wasn't like that. I mean, it, it just kind of flowed, and I actually drew it like it was just single comic. I did it. I did it in a month, and I just did the um, the twenty pages like I would anything else. And I actually, I don't think, um, you know, they they end on a little heavier of a cliffhanger. I think because you do have to wait a week rather than just turning the page. But uh, not so much so that it's clunky. I think, uh, in short, I think they did a, a great job at making this work. We'll we'll see what uh, people think. It's hard to say because I haven't read it a week apart like everybody else is true but it, it seems like it was well designed for that
0: no he said you so you were able to kind of um, tackle it in the same kind of schedule that you would normally you got the full script and you just kind of did it and then they broke it up the way they they, they already knew how they were going to break it up based on your pages
1: yeah well they actually sent uh, they sent files to me as, as separate scripts and in fact I think I got the um, so I, again I knew the plot so uh, I had a, a, a big picture. But uh, I think they sent the first script, the first four pages, um, uh, about like a week before I got the rest. Uh, But they did send them as separate separate scripts. But when I I say I worked on it all as if it was one project, meaning I just, I did it all at once. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't do a script and then wait a month and do another, you know, I did it like it was one, one straight issue. So when I finished page four of issue one, the next morning I got up and did... Page one of issue two, okay.
0: you know, as if it were page five. Gotcha. Now, obviously, you've worked with the Tiptons a lot. You guys kind of get each other, and obviously, you were involved in the plotting process as well. So, how detailed are the scripts at this point when they come to you? Um, do they give you still a lot of room for expression? or Are they breaking it down, you know, just like almost like you would on a storyboard? Like, how, how detailed is it?
1: Uh, it's it's a standard script, um, so it's as detailed as any, and, and I think they're all pretty much the same, unless we're, you know, in, there. Are the, I mean, there are variances, there's the Grant Morrison and the Alan Moore type scripts, and then there's, you know, but I mean, it's, it's pretty much an industry standard, so I, it's just a regular script. Um, the thing is, um, having worked with the Tipton so long, I have enough leeway where I can just call them up and go, look, I had an idea for this, and it, it's almost always, yeah, sure, I am. Um, I call as a courtesy to make sure they didn't have other plans I maybe I didn't know about or something like that. Also I'm involved um, at the beginning. We, like I said, we have meetings before they start writing to establish what the story is that we want to tell. Um, so a lot of times they're, they can be writing down ideas that, you know, we already talked about. Um, but but the thing is it has to go through cbs and the editors have to look at it um and the powers that be over at cbs have to look at it, it has to go through a bunch of hands to get approved mm. before i start spending the time i'm going to spend drawing every page um so it's a regular script and um i think like if you look at uh, you know the i think some of the script pages have been um published in in uh, trade paperbacks we've done so if you look at uh, city on the age of forever i think the hardcover had the script printed we did like sort of a process thing hmm. where we show a script page so you can get an idea of exactly how much detail it, there is if you look at uh, some of that stuff i think also in um the star trek doctor who the, in the collected trade they uh they published some of the script too
0: okay when, um, you mentioned CBS before, I mean, do you get any direct feedback from anyone at CBS about, you know, your work on the, on these projects or is it all kind of filtered through the publisher or like, how does, how does that kind of come through? Yeah, usually,
1: um, usually I don't get any, I've been doing this for a while now and I don't really get that much notes. Um, but if I do, I get them back from, uh, Sarah, uh, Gatos, who's the, uh, or was the editor at the time we were working on this. Um, the only time I, I talk directly to CVS is when I'm working directly with CVS. Like for instance, the style guide that started this whole thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, something like that. Yeah. I'll get notes directly from them or I'll have meetings directly with them. Um, but usually the way it works in comics is it just to keep it simpler and you know, just to keep, uh, you want to try to keep as much confusion at bay as you can. So you have one person kind of steering the ship and, then, uh, it all kind of goes through her.
0: Now, how is that? Um, you mentioned Sarah, and so Sarah Goodis is obviously not going to be edited in the books anymore. What's that going to be like? Or do you think that how keenly a presence and how keenly missed will she be?
1: Well, I'm going to miss her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've always enjoyed working with Sarah, and, and uh, we've been working together for years now. So it's it's kind of a it's a bittersweet thing. I'm happy for her. Um, I wish she was still around. As far as what's going to happen in the future as a result of that. Um, hard to say right at this moment um, But I will say that uh, The future product projects um, Through the Mirror And the upcoming um, Terra Incognito Which is a six issue miniseries Was already set up by Sarah So that's already Basically we have I don't know six to eight months Before we have to wonder what's going to happen You're not going to see those changes until then So you're, uh, the you're, new... so you're employed for a while <laughs> Yes, yes. Where the the ship has been, uh, <laughs> the ship's on autopilot right now. It's been it's been programmed by Sarah and set into motion. So we we do know what's going to be happening for the next six to eight months. And then um, in between that time, while we're working on other things, I'm sure we're going to be talking to the uh, the new editor. Um, we don't know exactly who that is yet. Um, but uh, like I said, six to eight months of leeway before we have to figure that out. So <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some exciting stuff. There always is.
0: So I'd like to jump back then, back, so we've talked about the future and what's coming up. I want to do want to jump back to, uh, to Mirror Broken issue three and kind of move forward a little bit, just because I had some questions that were, I was rereading it again today. First of all, it's such a great series. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I I just, there's a, a bunch of things that came up on the art side that I was really curious about. Okay. So uh, first of all, so um, in issue three, we get to see that Captain Jellico is the captain in the in the mirror universe. Um, what was it like kind of bringing that character to life on the page and kind of making him not that dissimilar than the Jellico we knew?
1: Right. Um, well, actually, that's not the first time I've worked with, um, with this character. I actually did a uh, captain's log, I think back in 2008. The captain's logs were these um, single issue things that came out where they would kind of spotlight on one captain. And, uh so I'd done a Jellico one before. So, um, this wasn't my first time doing it, but, um, I always love working with this character and I always love, uh, I love the way this character plays off of, uh, whether in the mirror universe or the prime universe, how he plays off the, uh, the regular TNG crew. Um, yeah. like you said, even in this universe, he rubs everybody the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I and and that was all the tips I had never um I had never actually created this character for the style guide. Um this was one of the characters that was hundred percent from um Scott and Dave. Uh and one of the notes in the script were uh, wouldn't it be kinda good if he had kind of stringy arms and see the one character that didn't <laughs> you know, didn't, had the most abrasive attitude but had the most unimposing build, you know. And uh I I love the idea, and I thought it would be even better if we just show him with the uh, with the dress leather on at the beginning, and then just show him take it off when he gets on the bridge, and it's kind of like, you know, or, or, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, now, was, do you know if there's any any like, discussion previously of um, who else could have been the captain, or did they always know that it, it kind of needed to be Jellicoe? Because, I mean, that's kind of an interesting position when you bring in the idea that there's you know, the, this enterprise that that's out there. You're kind of like, well, who is the captain if it's not Picard? So what was that process like, or were you privy to any of that discussion about, you know, is, is it going to be anyone else but Jellico, or is Jellico always kind of never one on the list? Um, I don't know
1: that we, uh, we discussed that when we were, we we're plotting this. We knew, we knew it was going to be heist. Uh, we knew it was going to be, uh, the enterprise was an experimental model just being worked on. So it wasn't out there. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't out there, uh, uh, running missions or anything. It was a brand new ship. So I don't think, um, at first we even thought too much about who was captaining, it, uh, going to be the captain because it, you know, it was in dry dock to so to speak. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, like I said, I think that that was all Tipton's. Um, yeah, obviously, we need a we need somebody to be assigned as a captain to this new ship, and uh, you know who better? <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> who who better to to take the Enterprise from than Jellico? True. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, uh, and then issue three, we get the. It's the kind of the first time we get to have a, a real proper shot of the Enterprise actually in motion, and as opposed to just kind of seeing it uh, the bottom, the belly of it in 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 dry dock. So, what was kind of went through the process of designing what this would look like in the mirror universe? Um, well, uh,
1: that was already designed for the um, style guide, okay. which is. Yeah, for those that didn't hear the last episode, I'll, I'll repeat this. This this whole thing started from um, working with CBS on a Mirror Universe style guide, and uh, I had to basically design characters uh, for the Mirror Universe for TNG. I also had to design the Enterprise, and um, one of the directors was make it as much. <laughs> it has to be a it has to be a future thing because they designed it later, and if you design a ship later, you know you can you can put all these ideas in it. That have been developed while you know while the other enterprise in the prime universe was in space. So when I was designing this, um, we went through a bunch of different ideas, and, and then John Van Sitters, who's, who's at CBS, came in with a model of the um, uh, the all good things future enterprise. And he's like, well, "What about this?" And we're like, "Yeah, we really don't need to do much." I mean, the third Nacelle um, and a cannon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like it would be a mirror universe version of the Enterprise to begin with, uh, because it has the two can, uh, you know, extra phaser canners on, on on the uh, top, along with the phaser array. Uh, it also has that huge thing underneath. It looks like a, a Star Blazers wave motion gun or something. <laughs> um, so, we, um, we, you know, we just kind of went with that. All. I just made some cosmetic alterations to the uh, cannon on the bottom, so it looked more like it was made of, um, you know, a mix of Federation and uh, Klingon technology for weaponry. One of the things I, I kept doing in the Mirror Universe is um, any of their offensive technology. I figure they might take a little bit from the Klingons, um, and, and that happens in war. We, uh, when you win and lose wars, you, you take some technology from the other side, uh, if they're better at something than you are. And I figure uh, in the Mirror Universe, maybe the Klingons had better weapons. Oh, well, for sure. But, but other than that, that, that was the Enterprise design. That was That's where it kind of came from, uh, a discussion at CBS for the Style Guide.
0: Now, this part, I, I actually don't think you can answer it, because I think you mentioned that you stopped coloring after Issue 2.
1: Yeah, well, I never colored, I painted. Oh, so <laughs> it's I a big it. so, difference. Sorry, so, I, I apologize. I, yeah, there is, it's all hand-painted stuff. Um, I went from hand-painting to um, ink wash, hand mm. ink wash, and then that was colorized um, digitally afterwards. Okay. But yeah, that was issue two.
0: Okay, no, because I, I was curious, because um, one thing, uh, a, a detail I really liked was um, when they're right by the warp core, and I would imagine that's a hard kind of, Shade to kind of get right because it's this pulsating thing on the screen, and to actually be able to somehow portray that visually is hard. But it, I found it really achieved that, so I was just curious how you know that was kind of achieved both in your art and also the color colorization.
1: Well, from my side of things, um, the the glow comes from a technique I use with um, some white acrylic ink and a, a, an old toothbrush. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you load up the uh, you load up the toothbrush with um uh with the white acrylic and then you you just kind of just flick it with your thumb and it kind of sprays, you know, if if you have the right amount on there, it takes some time to to master it, but if you have the right right amount of um ink loaded on that uh, toothbrush, you can almost like an airbrush spray. And that's what I use to get that kind of glow effect on things. Um and then the rest as far as the color goes, I, I there were some notes um from me in issue two, but I don't think this was one of them. I, and after issue three, it's all Charlie. I didn't. I stopped giving him notes. I only gave him notes on issue two, so it would match a little more with issue uh, issue one before it. Um, but I think uh, when it comes to the the color scheme on that War core, I think that that's all uh, Charlie Kirchhoff. So. Okay. You'd have to ask him, but I give him full credit on that.
0: Um, another thing I, I loved about um, the kind of the taking of the Enterprise is, um, and again, this is, speaks to something we don't usually get to see, is kind of the, the relish that you put on Jordy's face as he's about to, like, gun, like, you know, phaser someone down. And even when he does it, like, the look on his face is, is priceless, but, again, underscores that this is the mirror universe and people are more aggressive. And, again, it's just something we're not used to seeing, but it's so effective.
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, the one thing I wanted to do with Jordy with this um, is I wanted him, even in this harsh universe, to be the lovable guy, the guy everybody likes. This the you know he was going to be a different Jordy, um, and that's what the mirror universe uh, allows you to do. I wanted this Jordy to be smiling a lot more. I wanted him to be more confident. I wanted him to be better socially, especially around women. Um, I didn't, you know, nobody wanted him to be uh a jerk about it, but he was kind of a, he's he'd be the first person if you were throwing a party he'd be the first guy you'd want to invite. <laughs> and that isn't necessarily true with the other Jordy. If you remember the uh, the prime Jordy, he was great around his friends and he was great where he fit in because he found a place to fit in, but he was he was always kind of a, abrasive to um to the new people. He was like that with Roe, he was like that with Barkley. Um and uh he he was let's face it bad at dating <laughs> you know yeah. and we you know we we thought we we change all that and that's why even even in the in the face of battle even doing horrible things somehow it seems positive from jordy cuz he's always smiling and he's always uh you know he's doing exactly what he wants to do he knows it and he doesn't struggle as much with it as as perhaps um a more moral um or jordy in a more moral universe might
0: mm mm-hmm. Um, One thing I really liked about your interpretation of this version of Wesley is that I mean we have this this vision of him, and then we realize he's actually something very different. And I loved how you very subtly kind of changed his you know his stance, his posture, um, you know, kind of his facial expressions when he's not playing anymore, when he's not playing the part. What was that like to kind of develop that look for the character? Well, uh, when it it comes to
1: uh, when it comes to Wes. I got to give uh, Scott and Dave all the credit for that. The, the idea of him pretending to be something he's not, the idea of um, uh, Doctor Crusher being protective and hiding him, hiding his intellect from the exploitative Terran Empire. That they all came up with that. Um, so you know, that's again, that would be a, a good question for them. Uh, I just visually took the original design I had with Wes and decided to. Uh, to change the look of him when we changed his personality, when we or rather revealed his personality as being somebody much more capable than he was pretending to be. Um, and yeah, of course the posture changes, um, the expression changes, becomes a little bit more serious um, or actually not more serious, but a little, you see a lot more eye contact and that was important. You know, he was kind of kept his head down and in shadow the whole time. I wanted it to look like he was hiding. I wanted it to feel like he was hiding something and then, when you see the scene where Picard calls him—spoilers—if anybody hasn't read it, <laughs> but if you see the scene where Picard calls him out on it and says, "Look, I know you're—I know you're pretending. Knock it off!" Um, all of a sudden, the, the light hits his face, and we see him kind of clearly for the first time. And that was—that uh, was my way of expressing what they were going for.
0: At the end of the issue, but the
1: personality altogether.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, go no, go ahead, please.
1: Um, the, I just wanted to reiterate that the personality and this whole idea of the hidden Wesley um, was all David Scott. I just developed the look of this character. This wasn't something that was uh, developed beforehand. We never invented a Wesley for the uh, for the CBS Style Guide. This was invented just for this comic. Okay.
0: At the end of issue three, you have Jellico um, gets you know basically ejected into space, and you have that horrifying shot of his eyes kind of bucking out as he's as he's you know being again dumped into space. What was your visual reference point for that? Um.
1: Well, okay. First off, when I a pet peeve of mine is whenever somebody gets shot into the vacuum of space, we don't show their body kind of explode. Uh, it doesn't exactly explode, but it, but it's sort of without the, the pressure constantly pushing down, it kind of inflates, you know, and, it, and things like any uh, things start coming out of the ears and your eyes bulge out. Um, so I always draw people that are in the vacuum of space like they're in the vacuum of space. You know, you're out there three seconds, you're dead. Forget it. It's over. There's no hope, you know. <laughs> um, but. With this character and this actor, he, I, you know, as I was drawing it, I realized I've seen this before somewhere, and then it occurred to me: uh, was it um, in was it nineteen eighty four? The movie with, or maybe eighty six. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. The movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Total Recall.
0: Okay. At the end
1: of Total Recall, this same actor <laughs> uh, gets gets sucked out into Mars where there's no air and you see him kind of like doing what he's doing in space uh i didn't get it directly from that because i had already drawn it but i realized as i was drawing it i was like where have i seen this before <laughs> where have i seen what's the actor's name tony cox
0: uh Ronnie no, uh, cox
1: yes so yeah where have i seen him <laughs> looking <laughs> like this and uh yeah apparently he was uh, total recall came back to me oh that, that's funny <laughs>
0: Well, no, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's a great shot and, uh, it definitely kind of sells uh, that idea of again, being, you know, the, well, the horror that's happening to him too. It's interesting because yeah, he's, he's very much kind of given a short thrift in the issue because he's really just in the way. Um, but I like what you guys did with him as well. Like, and again, I like the, the detail that you said, you know, the idea of of him having kind of the the sad arms compared to everyone else having these massive arms.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, that that again. That's that's a Tipton idea. I'd love to take credit for her, but I can't. Um, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, kind of doing that with him, just seeing him on the bridge, trying to do powerful poses, you know. But you just looking at those those stringy arms, and it's like, yeah, you're you're not Picard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in in issue four, you guys bring in Guinan. Was she part of the original style guide as well, or no? No, no,
1: and uh, that was a uh, Tipton idea to bring her in, and. Um, I I love the approach. Um, I think Scott called me and told me that we're we're, we're putting Gaian in the.
0: Um, I think it was in the, was it the second issue that we introduced her. Uh, I thought it was issue four where she where she shows up, but maybe um, you're, maybe you're right though. I, I thought maybe f- it was issue yeah. I know she was introduced, and then
1: um, I didn't understand why, and then then uh, I saw the other script, and I understood why. But the idea was he's like think Agra. I'm like Agra, Where do I know that name from? Uh, Dark Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said you just want instead of the like the there was sort of this calm that uh, Gainan always had. This this um, you know this thing. The second you see Gainan, you feel better. She knows what's going on. She's cool. Okay, we got it now. <laughs> um, and kind of thought let's go the opposite. You know, and and the thing is we we try not to go opposite with the mirror universe because it's not bizarre world. It's not opposite. It's the same characters in a different environment. In a less kind environment, what would have happened to uh, the Allorans? You know, that th- get their uh, planet wiped out without the uh, Federation and with the Terran Empire instead. What would have happened to them? They would have gone mad. No, for
0: sure. Yeah, no. And I, I, I love the way you make her look because she's yeah, she's she's so off her gourd that it's interesting that you mentioned the idea that when you see her in the Prime Universe, you feel better, and the minute you see her here, it's extremely unsettling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you're right, she is that calming force. Like, even in yesterday's Enterprise, like, she's she's rattled, but she's still the one trying to figure things out calmly, whereas here, again, she's not like that at all. Yeah, the, the thing about this character, she
1: always seems to have a handle on it. And, um... Guinan serves the same purpose in the Mirror Universe as she does in the Prime Universe. It's just a lot more messy. She has moments of lucidity, and Picard does rely on her. Um, but... There's just a little more madness behind
0: it. When at the end of issue four, you get to kind of show that you know the uh, the Enterprise is under attack. What is it? I mean, what do you like about actually kind of portraying the space battles? Because you're kind of building up after you know four issues, you're finally at the point where you know it's not just going to be guys with phasers anymore, or you know the subterfuge or the conspiracy to take over the ship. Now we actually have actual space combat. How do you approach that as a as an artistic illustrator? That's not a word, but. Um, well, there's there's a
1: couple of things to consider. You want to take at full advantage of the medium, which is comics, which doesn't have a budget, so we can have a lot of ships. So that's the first thing. <laughs> um, I, I like there to be a lot of kinetic energy, which you know um, is hard to do in space. The other thing um, that's hard to do in space is scale, because this, it's, it's so vast that uh, a smaller ship um, can be closer to the camera, and you, of course, make it bigger. That's the idea of perspective. But there's no, there's nothing to compare distance to, you know. So like, if, if somebody doesn't already know these ships, they won't know the general size. So it was kind of hard to convey that. Um, but what I like to do is just crowd the scene. I love lots of ships. I mean, some of the best <laughs> stuff on Deep Space Nine. I love with the big battles with the, um, you know, with fleets of ships fighting, uh, you know, fighting the Jem'Hadar, and you know. Um, so I wanted that kind of feel here. The only thing is, I, I. Once they start battling, I like to break up the formation because um, there is no up and down in space. So different ships are going to be different angles trying to trying to face each other instead of like the idea that um, that there is a plane of existence. There isn't in space. So I like to convey that once once a battle starts, it's going to be a lot more chaotic looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, basically to answer your question, uh, I love these battles oh. and I try to put as much into it as I can, as many ships as as will be allowed. <laughs>
0: Which ships were your favorite to illustrate? I mean, I, I, like from a technical standpoint, do you prefer like Federation, uh, you know, Klingon, um, Cardassian? Like, which ones do you find that you like the look of, and then like actually show, you know, uh, illustrating yourself?
1: Well, my favorite that I like the look of ever in any any science fiction is the Klingon Bird of Prey. I think mm-hmm. that was the greatest ship ever designed, and <laughs> uh, I don't know that they'll ever uh, top it. Um, my least favorite. what's let's start let's start negative my least favorite to draw is um the uh cardassian ships What the uh i'm blanking out on the what are they called the oh, what, what class the uh i the large remember. cruisers i called. can't
0: remember i, I know them by, yeah. by look but i could not tell you the name of them
1: okay yeah i'm having a little brain fart right now but uh <laughs> those ships galore class galore class yes um those um, those ships just have so much going on geometrically that it's hard to keep track of the lighting. I mean, it's all these kind of flat panels, and it almost looks like a um, like a poorly rendered three D object. You know, um, meaning uh, just like a, a rough render. Where you have the you know the paragrams all over the place. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, yeah, it's it's you, you already got a singular light source, so every uh, the lighting has to be right. You can't there's no room to make mistakes. And there's very rarely unless there's a phaser fire or, or something else going on, a secondary light source. So it's really hard to it's really hard to get it right cuz I'm not I wish I had a 3D model. I have to go based on like, you know, the the pictures I look at. It's hard to figure out cuz it always seems different in a different picture. I can't tell what these panels are doing. <sighs> <laughs> um the best thing I could have done and I guess I should have just went out and bought one. I don't know if they do they have a I know they have models and I know uh, Eagle Moss probably makes them but that's probably what I should have done because it was a big pain. Um my favorite ship to draw in that scene uh and I'm trying to remember the it, the ambassador class hmm. which which is basically Enterprise C. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't Enterprise-C, but I drew it like Enterprise-C, meaning I left the uh, – they redesigned it for the, the ship that it's supposed to be. But I, I left it Enterprise-C, meaning the round dish, yep. the round deflector dish, because I just think that looks cool. I just – and it had the round nacelles. So it was kind of like if you if you took a Galaxy class and mixed it with a Constitution class, and it was just the coolest-looking ship. And I just really enjoyed drawing that ship from any angle. So that's probably my favorite.
0: Um, in issue five, um, I, I, really like when you have Guinan and her kind of mad sprint to the bridge, um, I, I love how you choreograph it and how she seems brutally violent, like not just violent because she has, obviously has a purpose, but it's almost like you gave her, like, is she, is she really, really strong and we just didn't know that Guinan is super strong?
1: That's kind of how I pictured it because in the script she was throwing people around. So, um, also, you know, I, it's, she's chaotic. You know, so she she could have just barreled you know barreled through people uh, left and right, but uh, yeah I, I drew her with great strength.
0: Okay, yeah no I, and, I
1: it, it <laughs> because was, yeah especially when she gets up on the bridge if you see her you know throwing she's throwing two security guys at once and and uh, you know Picard had to calm the situation down.
0: Well, it's extremely inter- probably- it's entertaining as hell because again, it's it's a, it's against type of what we're used to from Gunn. And as you're you're right, she's still doing the same function, but in such a messy, different way that it just her path to get there, like in the Prime Universe, she just would have taken the sh- you know the, the shuttle. It wouldn't have been a big deal. They wouldn't have had yep. guards on her, obviously. But here, she's just you know this this manic force. It's really something to be
1: reckoned with. Also, the the real guy and almost almost like a Vulcan, you know, hardly unclasped her hands most of the time. Hmm. You know, she was not a, a, a physical, um, she's not a physical being, and here all of a sudden she is, um, because she's just suffering with this madness, presumably. And we never went into the story, but presumably from what happened to her planet and not having the, um, you know, she doesn't live in that kinder, gentler world, so it would have been a lot worse. So yeah, I, I just kept that in mind. She's she's in a manic state and and uh, I like the idea in this and I don't know what the Tipton's plans were but in, in this story certainly Picard is able to kind of calm her down you know so it was nice to see him doing something for her even in this horrible universe he can still that he couldn't do in the, the Prime universe you know he was actually of use to her in this universe
0: <laughs> yeah no, that, that's an interesting concept I hadn't really thought of it that way um, artistically, uh, as I'm looking through issue five, um, I'm torn by it, it, maybe it's just me, but did bike, did, uh, Riker's, um, kind of beard curls get longer as the series progressed?
1: I think so. I think so. That wasn't intentional. It was me having fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, stuff like that happens when you see, you know, when you see, um, an artist start in the comics, you see an artist start out a new character, um, and you can tell what what they're enjoying because you eventually see that character evolve the look over over usually you know a few issues and i think that was me i just i I love the way those things. I mean, it's it, it's a great device for kinetic motion. You see which way he's moving by which way his beard's flying back. You know, <laughs> it's sort of like it's sort of like the the, the Star Trek version of the cape, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the robe or something. You know, and then, that was the same thing with with Guinan. Is is she's so much frantic movement, and I wanted to to kind of convey that, and that's um, that came in handy because she was wearing all these rags that could fly around.
0: You mm-hmm.
1: know, same thing. And then those also changed size, I think. I think her, uh, her outfit changed from panel to panel. But you do – you know, it's comics. You, you do what you need to <laughs> sure. to, get the, uh, to convey the motion, to convey the idea.
0: What was it like when you actually get to uh, separate the ship and have uh, the, the – uh, what is it, the yacht as well? I forget what it's called, but when you, yep. when you get to have all three segments together, um, what was that like to kind of push you artistically? be able to actually show them separately and kind of showing the different models? Because obviously we've seen this before, more or less, not quite like this, but very similar. So what was it like to be able to put that on the page?
1: That that was a lot of fun, and it was also a challenge. Um, And I'm glad I got some space. I got a double-page spread to kind of work on this. Um, We've never seen the yacht from Enterprise D um, filmed, but I had seen a design, and it's sort of almost a flying saucer that comes out of the bottom of the the, – the saucer section. Now, obviously I couldn't do that with this design because there's a big old cannon in the way. Hmm. Um, so there's nothing that could come out of there. And I was thinking like, well, maybe the ship could be part of the cannon, but like, I mean, there's a lot of heated plasma or, or phaser fire or whatever that's going through there. You couldn't have a ship attached to that. You'd have to probably, they probably couldn't even use the first two decks on the bottom because of the heat given off from that thing. Um, so I decided that the, the shuttle would look because they developed the ship in the future much much further along, would be like the shuttle, more like the sh- uh, the captain's yacht, rather, would be more like the captain's yacht from uh, Enterprise E. Okay, And it would come up right out of the base of the uh, engineering section instead. Um, but, it, you know, these are the things you have to think about. And, and sometimes you can paint yourself in a corner, like I said, you know, it didn't even occur to me, oh, wait, that cannon's in the way. So, yeah, you come up with solutions um, uh, almost like being an engineer, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess so. Um- when you, did the, when you did the big kind of climactic page where you have the enterprise doing its trick to kind of fool, well not fool, but like move around so quickly and attack everyone, artistically, how did that push you to be able to figure out visually how to represent that? Because it's a very kinetic page with a lot going on, but how were how you able to kind of break that down and, and make it look concise so that it actually visually gets to get across what the script is trying to do?
1: Um, I think you're, you're referring to the Picard Maneuver, right? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not sure that uh, the way it was described, it was ever meant to be quite this um, <laughs> this many. I mean, I think it, the idea is that you move at warp, which is fast and light, um, so that your ship can, you know, in short bursts, and your ship can be in more than one place at the same time. And it's a, it's a physics impossibility, but it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to draw. And, um, yeah, my, my idea was just to get that across, that it, it's not a bunch of um, enterprise uh, engineering sections, just our, run, our drive sections flying around, was to give it kind of a ghost image. And basically what you do is you just, you just draw the ships and leave the shadows where they are and then just put the star field over it. So anything in shadow has a star field, and it automatically makes it look like a ghost image. And I think that best conveys that these are blurry after shots of, of an enterprise moving really fast and shooting at the same time.
0: How do you, I mean, did you, this is a kind of a dumb question, so I apologize, but um, it's a great shot where you have kind of the explosions kind of happening. What was your, were you watching Star Trek for like kind of looking at exactly what their visual representation of the ships exploding was, or how did you kind of nail, nail that image? Cause that's a tough one to get, but you, it looks perfect. Like it looks like, that's what it looks like when I watch TV. <laughs>
1: um, it's kind of intuitive for me. I, I, explosions, um, anything, uh, dynamic like that or elemental, like fire, water, explosions, things like that, um, are almost as Zen like to do because there is no right or wrong. Uh, you can kind of just, uh, go nuts, you know? And, and what I would do is I would draw the, um, I would draw the ship and leave just blank spots where I wanted them, the explosion to be and then go in and paint that in with uh, usually gouache and mixed with ink later. Uh, and then I do another layer over it where I have pieces of debris and I just try to think of like, well, well, you know, this is part of a nacelle or what would this part of the drive section look like? And I, I like to put it in, um, you know, parallel lines to express uh, maybe decks, chunks of, you know ship coming out but you know I've been watching Star Trek long enough that I know what these ships look like and and certainly with debris it doesn't have to be exact so it's kind of fun just to just to go go to town <laughs> until and, <laughs> until you look at it and say yeah I like the way that looks and then you're done you know
0: um, well, I know you're running short on time, and we'll let you go in just a moment. But I just want to end sure. off with the the, uh, the last page where you're, you have um, you know everyone kind of celebrating uh, their victory. And uh, I uh, first of all, I
1: I, <laughs> I just, call it the Avengers moment because you know Avengers yeah. always ended with a feast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I just I really like the way that you kind of captured. First of all, um, Barclay again kind of started everything in the Free Comic Day as kind of being our, our way into this universe. So I like that it kind of ended with him. But th- that shot of Picard at the end, uh, where he's you know at the at the head of the feast and the kind of that that look on his face. Um, <laughs> what were you trying to achieve with that look? Because it says so much. But I'm just curious what your inspiration was to kind of draw this all to a close. You have this great shot of Picard, but what do you think Picard is thinking? Uh, I, I think you're, what you're referring to is. Uh um
1: the the panel where Barkley and data talk and then they flashed to a card mm-hmm. yeah and that that was like that menace is still there so you gotta watch it back yeah. you know uh, even though we have a nice kind of horn of plenty ending you know where everybody's uh, feasting and everything's great um we we wanted to get the idea across these are all still dangerous people, and um that was that was actually right in the script um so um I can't take credit for that I was pretty much just drawing what uh, Um, what i was supposed to but if i got that across that's great um some of the things i did contribute on this page though um that i want to point out in case anybody didn't notice uh that i i had so much fun with the table because like what would they eat in the mirror universe
0: i was just about to ask about that
1: that is a roast that is a roasted targ you're looking at (laughs) (laughs) that's a klingon targ uh yeah I, i put that in there to see how many people would notice it and um I don't know. I don't know if they notice it or just uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I was hoping to hear more back on that one. Um, and I also put some a lot of sorry and brandy. If you fans of the original series, mm-hmm. um, same bottles that came right out of the original series uh, that we first saw in I think um, the enemy within. Um, there, if you look at that table, I won't give everything away. But if you look at that table, there are a lot of um, uh, Star Trek Easter eggs. So enjoy that.
0: <laughs> and that that was all you.
1: Yeah, for the most part. Um, there was uh, a vague description about, uh, um, I, you know, I'd have to look at the script. It's it's really hard to figure out who did what because we all worked together uh, up to a certain point. Um, but uh, I believe so. It, it, definitely the TARG because I remember actually texting uh, Scott and Dave to see what they think of that. Like, <laughs> is it okay to do you, know, you think that would be too much? <laughs> because these are Klingon pets, you know? Yeah. So this is a direct slap in the face to their enemy, you
0: know? <laughs> Just, <laughs> when it's like
1: eating a kitty cat, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when, when you when you wrapped this series and it was all, you know, sent sent off and it was all done, um which was there any particular character that you were like, I cannot wait to be able to do that character again or to explore do a little bit more with this character before you even knew it you were gonna be able to work on the project again uh
1: yeah, actually um Data was a big one because I had an idea of who he was and what his origin was when I was designing the character, because um, that kind of informed what I was designing. Originally, he he was experimenting with board parts because I needed an eye patch. I just, you know, <laughs> in the mirror universe, he either have a goatee, a scar, an eye patch. So I was trying to think of a, a, a good idea for an eye patch because you can't give, you know, one third of the population eye patches. So, <laughs>
0: um,
1: you know, that's when it hit me. It was like, oh. He's a, he he experiments with board parts. Great. He reprograms nanites and makes them work for him. That's, that would be something data in this universe would do. He would want to be more powerful and he would use any technology that he could, no matter how dangerous. Um, and then, you know, as I'm drawing it, you you got 20 hours to think about this character because that's about how long it takes to do the full painting. And, um, Um, You know, I just came up with with what I thought his origin story was. Now, not all of it was used. I mean, I didn't write this thing, the Tiptons did, but um, I did present some of those ideas to them. Um, And I just, yeah, I couldn't wait to, uh, you know, I was like, I hope we get into his origin, or I hope we get into the question of, um, you know, what happened to the Borg in this universe, you know, but... Again, these are things, we, like I said, we had so many ideas and so little room to work with, so we'll probably eventually get there. And they actually did do, and I didn't get a chance to, to do the art for it, but they actually did do a Loot Crate exclusive that that told the origin of data.
0: Oh, no degree. way. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, it's, so I got my wish, and I got to work on the cover of it, and, you know, anyways. So, you know, uh, I didn't... But I got my wish. I got to see it, and again, I told you how much I enjoy seeing um, other people's inter- interpretations of, of things I designed. So it was it was a it was a win for me. I enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. Well, but the
1: other the, oh, the other character um, the, the other character I really wanted to to, to uh, do more with was uh, Riker when I was developing him because mm. I, I, I didn't have an exact story with him, but I had some ideas of the kind of life he went through, and I figured it wouldn't be an easy one. That's why he's all scarred up. So I definitely wanted more of what I call warrior Riker. I wanted him to be almost more like a Klingon than a human, you know.
0: Interesting. Well, maybe we'll get to see that someday. Hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, JK, thank you so much for uh, spending so much time with us today and for going through this and also for talking about the upcoming series as well. And we look forward to uh, seeing that and uh, seeing your backup story uh, going through the entire run. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Okay. Bye-bye.